Welcome back to another special episode of Epic Experiment Podcast. I'm your host, Bruce. This is episode 130, and I'm joined on the line tonight by Sneaky Pete. How are you tonight, Pete? Hey, I'm chilling, man. It's good to be back. Good to have you on. It's good. So, audience, so uh, we're going to mix things up here on the Epic Experiment Podcast. So, uh, Lux has been really, really busy the last little while, and so... Uh, we're going to get Pete on on a more regular basis to talk uh, so we guys so we can get our shows out to you guys uh, and have uh, so a, a different discussion. Uh, Lux is fantastic, and because Lux works in a game store, he gets to see things up close and personal that most of us don't actually see, but he's also a busy, busy guy. So uh, Pete's going to help out on a more regular basis, and so we'll still see, here, here, see and hear from Lux from, from time to time, but we're also going to get a healthy dose of Pete from here on out. So... Uh, Buckle up. Um, Pete's going to bring his interesting take of uh, brewing and uh, making lives miserable for opponents uh, to, to the board for all of you. Well, <laughs> we'll you, know it's, you know it's true. You love to make our lives miserable. <laughs> if only Magnetic Mine weren't in the list. Sorry, that's a whole other discussion. We'll come back to Magnetic Mine later. All right. Sure. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, how, how are you doing? Did you enjoy the Super Bowl, my friend? Yeah, um, I was with my girl, and uh, I mean, I'm not like really big into football. I'm a big, I'm a big ice hockey guy, but uh, it was enjoyable. I liked the show. I know um, a lot of people were backlash on Rihanna, but I, I liked, I liked her halftime show. So it was, it was enjoyable. I think, I think every year there has been backlash around the halftime show. Really, I mean, going as far back oh. as. Janet Jackson and Justin Timberlake. There's been backlash with the shows. Oh, the, the the stars are too old. Oh, the stars are unrelatable to the crowd. Like I think the only people that like no one said boo about was the hip hop group they had on last year with Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg yeah. and Eminem and stuff, right? And like that's the only one everybody's like down with. But you know they had Jennifer Lopez and Shakira. Is that right? One year and like everyone. Yeah. Eh, everyone, all right. was, everyone was critical. I'm like, guys, relax. Hey, like, it uh, it fits with our theme to start off the podcast with these garbage or great cards. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> we'll be critical of them now, but we're gonna take a look at these and we're gonna be like, hmm, we can, we might be able to play these cards. Exactly, exactly. Anyway, we'll get to our garbage <laughs> or great in a second. Um, all right, so a little housekeeping first, and then we'll get on with the show. So, audience, if you like what you hear here on the show each and every week. Um, well, I guess it's not been every week, but as often as we get our shows out, uh, you can always find all of our back episodes at thelotuscouncil.com. They have been gracious enough to host us now for almost uh, three years now. So it's been uh, it's been a good been run. Long. I know it's been three years. Yeah. I know it's kind of crazy. Um, yes. So if you, you like the show, you can find all of our stuff there. You can also find uh, what they put up on YouTube because I know Sona, who we've had on the show a number of times, We'll post videos and, and brew fun janky decks up there. Uh, but they've also got a fun Discord with lots of cool things happening. Uh, they've had a number of uh, box breaks happen the last couple of weeks. Uh, one for Dominaria Remastered and then another one for Phyrexia All Will Be One. So lots of cool things going on. Uh, and the best part is the Discord is free of charge. It doesn't cost you any money to get involved and to be part of the part of the community. So come and join up with the, the Discord. There's lots of great people who love to talk magic and other things too. Um, and, you know, sometimes they set up webcam games. Sometimes you want deck help, they'll help you with that. Um, or just want to chat with people. There's lots of people to have a conversation with. Uh, so come on and check it out. The link for the Discord is going to be in the show notes down below. So you can join us there. And uh, come on, see for yourself. I don't think you'll be disappointed. 
Yeah, the community is awesome. I really appreciate uh, all the people that are there. And um, I mean, it got me through the pandemic to be on the server. And uh, now, I mean, it's nice to just brew with people and talk with people. So check it out. Yeah, Indeed. absolutely. Okay, garbage or great? So we've got two cars to talk about this week. First one here is, is one that I think most people have heard of if they have not seen it, and it is Opposition. That reprint, that reprint though, really helped the price because it used to be a very expensive card, mm -hmm. and now it's probably about a dollar. It's not even that. It's 34 cents. If you get the, 34 cents. That's excellent. Yeah, so you get a copy for 34 cents from Dominaria Mastered. You can get the old border version for 43 cents. So it's well under a dollar right now. Um, if you want a copy of this. So here we go. Two blue blue for an enchantment that says tap an untapped creature you control. Tap target artifact, creature, or land. Um, this sort of ability is very difficult for opponents to play through, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's one of those subtle cards where it lands on the board. You're like, okay, it's not that big of a deal. But then once they get like four or five critical mass creatures on there, you're not going to be able to attack them. Yeah, uh, or maybe potentially activate abilities of artifacts that you are trying to use. Um, it's really an annoying sort of card. Uh, I used to run it in a deck for a while, but I wanted to tap things down to make my one creature larger every time something got tapped. You got a, a counter on them or something. But like, I've seen tribal decks run it now. It's it's interesting, right? That you wouldn't normally see this card played as much but now people are realizing oh if i have more creatures than my opponent i can tap them down and hit them for face for free yeah which is always always wonderful so you know, yeah it's uh it's, it's particularly uh, i mean I've, I've seen it in a few decks um one in particular i've seen it in is like a tolerant tolerant deck where they're making a bunch of drakes yeah. they turn use the drakes to just tap down your board and then they just get in, and there's nothing, you, very little you can do about it. So it's a very difficult court, court card to play against. Um, but if you're a deck that's a, bit, a little bit on the slower side, um, this is sort of the exact card that you need to slow down and drag it out uh, so your deck is going to get itself online. Um, mm -hmm. And it's so, I mean, it's not stacks ex exactly, but it's definitely stacks adjacent. And it's uh, definitely is going to help some decks slow down combat like let's imagine you got a voltron deck that you know you can it's it's sure it doesn't have hexproof or whatever but if you can slow down that their one big beater or slow down a couple of things that are really problematic tap down that important artifact that they need like you're gonna just make the deck the game slow down and give you an opportunity to pull even and hopefully pull ahead once you've got things sorted out and Bruce. oh go ahead I just realized as well, Calamax would love this card because of his value being tapped to count to copy things. Yes, um, and it's a free tap ability, so you could do it any time. Um, the other thing I was considering with the card is, um, with uh, what was I trying to? So Calamax is one. Um, was it? Oh, like uh, there's a card in Baldur's Gate. It says at the end of, at the end of the like at, at your end step if. You put a plus one plus one counter on each creature you control that's tapped, and then untap them. Mm -hmm. or yeah, like that. So uh, I think it's well. It's like an elephant. Yeah, or something. yeah. Arcalos is another one. The saltite-colored yeah. turtle that it is. I forgot what it does exactly, but yeah. I know it cares about whether it's tapped oh, or untapped. Yeah. yeah, if he's tapped, everything comes in tapped. 
um, if he's untapped, things come in untapped. Yeah. So, so it's actually like a pretty good lockdown effect. Yeah. So this is so this it's a very potent tool, and like I said, you, you're absolutely right. This, this should be on people's radar now because at fifty cents. Uh, a card like this is something that's going to appear far more frequently than when it than it did when it was at twenty or twenty five or thirty dollars, um, and so this is it's not a staple, but there's definitely people should be keeping an eye on this for like for the right deck to put it to great effect. So yeah, like a definitely a card worth yeah. knowing. And I there's no other way to sum it up. Like if in the right deck, this card is great. In the right deck, this card is very difficult to beat. And something that your opponents definitely have to have an answer for, or they're going to be in a world of trouble. Hey, is it is it your brother who bullies you with this card? Oh I God, yes, yes, he does. <laughs> so yeah, that's, yeah, I forgot. Like, this is a personal thing for you. Oh, it also is also very personal, but it's um, <laughs> but it's also like I've seen it used to great effect. If you have a board that can go wide. You take out, you now tap down your opponent's best things that they can't use, and that's very frustrating. Um, all right. Would you say? Uh, would you say it demoralizes you? I, I, I like the segue. Yes, I would say it's very demoralizing. So here we go. Demoralizes our second card today. Uh, do you want to give it a read there, Pete? Sure. So demoralize is two colorless and a red mana. It's an instant. It says all creatures gain menace until end of turn. Uh, menaces they can't be blocked except by two or more creatures and then if you have threshold if you have seven or more cards in your graveyard creatures can't block this turn so it's very reminiscent of like um a card that you can use to like uh beat people in the face to finish a game if you're playing a token strategy um a gruel beat deck that runs backdraft dragon one of my favorite cards um where you can flash it back at any time at instant speed, uh, the, the, the Dreadhard Arcanist. I mean, that's another card that oh, yeah. you could run this card in there and that one and sneakily just punch people for a lot of damage because you activate it early and then late game. Um, what other applicable things? Even like goblins, you know? A go- like goblins, you know, uh, yeah. Any anything that creates a ton of bodies fast. I mean, this card is going to probably be one of those underrated combat tricks that you'd want to use to close a game. Absolutely, um, this becomes yeah. this becomes a really difficult card to play against if your if your deck is built to utilize the sort of falter effect. And I like this would be better than a falter effect. Their their audience. So if you're not familiar, falter is one in a red instant creatures without flying can't block this turn. Uh, that means that creatures with block with flying can still block. Uh, and depending on the deck, so if you're someone's playing again a tolerant sky summoner or they're playing a blue white skies deck. They're going to have things that are going to still block. Demoralize just make sure that the whole board just, nope, your thing can't block, and I get in for free beats. Uh, if, you, if you run creatures as well, or specific cards that say how you get to manipulate combat, there's a bunch of them. There's invasion plans, which says uh, all creatures block if able, and attacking player chooses how they block. It's an enchantment for one red and two colorless. There's Marisi Breaker of the Coil, which says... Your opponents can't cast spells during combat, and whenever you do a combat damage to a player, you goad their creatures, uh, which means that they have to attack everybody but you next turn, which would be super annoying with this card. Yeah. Um, you play stuff, even you could play off-color cards that you might have read in the deck for another commander. You know, you just, if you run like Bolisher or 
uh, Dragon Lord Dramoka, where like they can't cast spells at all during your turn. Um, that would also be something to consider. And maybe you could even use it against an opponent. If an opponent is attacking another opponent, you could always use it as a combat trick to make an opponent kill another opponent for you. I'm just going to say that with Marisi, that's particularly savage because you've gotten in, uh, you know, and with something, and now they're goaded, and now you're just like, I'm going to cast Demoralize and let them finish off somebody else, which is pretty uh, pretty savage way to go. So I, I like this card. For, for two in a red, like, that's, you know, the sort of, card that people Honestly. are not going to people are not going to expect to play this like no and you're gonna so you're gonna catch somebody totally unawares they're not they're gonna think they've got three or four creatures back to block they're like yeah i'll be good um pete's not gonna finish me off right now i got a couple of blockers i'll be okay no, no demoralize says no dice and just gotcha and another like thing to put it all together is like sky of the Ur dragon or a dragon deck in general yeah Playing this with a bunch of evasive flyers, I mean, they're just you're you're gonna finish them off. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You're totally gonna, gonna you'll, you'll burn and them right so, off the right yeah. off the table. Burn a nation for days. Sure. So cool. It's a great card for fifteen cents. Their audience, yeah. or this would be a great inclusion in lots of variety, lots of decks. Um, and again, just checking a quick EDH Rex, EDH Rex stats. This is very underplayed. It's in two hundred seventy-five decks. Um, it appears most frequently with, let's see, who are the top commanders with this one? It doesn't even say. <laughs> it doesn't have any commanders. It's just Not enough tech data. <laughs> just insufficient data to suggest who, who it gets played with. But, it, I mean, a lot of them are, are token strategies. So you got um, Gaji Honored One, whenever a creature attacks. With yeah. So Adeline. Creatures. Um, Ooh, hmm. Professional face breaker. Ooh, professional face breaker plus a bunch of creatures, and this makes for lots of treasure, and then lots of gas with which to turn things into good fun. I was even considering like a spell slinger deck, where say, say you make everybody attack every turn, and then you copy this spell twice. Oh, and then like like or something like that, like mm -hmm. something goofy. Yeah, like where you make you make one opponent die to menace, and then another opponent die to menace, and then you have one one opponent left to finish off. Yeah. Well, um, just weird, weird considerations. I don't know. I think uh, I think this card is flexible. I guess I think it's flexible. I think it's interesting, and, and and because it's cheap, it's a very appealing combat trick to give to let people, um, you know, include and not have not feel like if they want to try it out, they can try it out, and it's not going to cost them an arm and a leg. Like, like sure. let's be real. Like when you and I are building decks, you're going to shy away from playing the twenty dollar fancy card because we're like, well. 20 bucks is 20 bucks, even if it's like, you know, it's a good card. Um, that $20 can be very helpful for other things. Um, groceries. Too, like, like, this card can go in any red deck, per se. Mm -hmm. Like, in a vacuum, you could throw it into any red deck yeah. that's going to combat or doing something. Like, even if you're not going to combat, like, this deck might help you stave somebody else off. Yeah. Um, that's what I look at, I guess, when I'm looking at cards. It's like, how frequently would I use this card? And then is the price of the card worth it, right? So like I mean, this is fifteen cents. You can't really go wrong. This is a bulk this is a bulk common card. Absolutely. Like you could find this at any LGS probably. Yep. In the bulk. Yep. So. You probably excellent. find it pretty cheap. So yeah, excellent. Great two great finds today. Excellent stuff. And uh things for our audience to consider to put in their deck the next time they're building out a deck. Love it.
One last thing. What if you put an Izzet deck together and it's just that what's that dragon of Falkaraz? The 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 the, the goad dragon guy? Hold the on. Goad dragon. He's from Baldur's Gate. I don't know offhand. Let me um, find it for you real quick. But it just reminds me of like opposition and that card would work well together in that deck. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Absolutely. Let me just let me pull this up for you well, real quick. Let's go see Baldur's Gate. I don't know. I there's I hmm. For for Craig. For Craig Cunning Instigator, right? Uh legendary creature dragon, three colorless, a blue and a red, flying haste. Whenever one or more dragons you control attack an opponent, go target creature that player controls. Whenever a creature deals combat damage to one of your opponents, that creature had to attack this combat. You put a plus one plus one counter on Furkarag, Cunning Instigator, and you draw a card. That so, is super it, weird. That is, but it would work. Yeah, yeah. Like obviously, yeah. work with it. Um, that demoralized card would definitely work with it. Oh man, yeah. that's that's some right. That's some so, spicy yeah, attack yeah. right there. Holy jumping! Idea. There you go. All right, eighteen cent card too. So you're welcome. Yeah. Wow. Wow. <laughs> there we go. Gonna, maybe next week it's going to be a fur crag cutting instigator deck. Whew. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's build it together. Maybe next week. Do that. Um. Now cool. we even had a conversation offline before the show, where you were talking to me about the value of playing a lot of Phyrexia 1 Limited. Am I correct? Yeah, mostly just playing draft and playing limited in general, I think, can help help grow um, our understanding of the game in general. I, I'm saying not, not playing standard, not playing modern per se, but playing a, like a format where you have no control over the cards you're putting in your deck uh, until you draft them. Right. You know what yeah. I mean? Or you pull them. And I think the element of that, I mean, the pressure is unreal, but also the element of uh, kind of using your resources that you have, not what you think you have. Um, I've talked to my friends about this recently when we draft together. It's like when you're looking for a specific kind of card to fill out your deck, maybe like a 2-2 bear or an instant or sorcery that helps you uh, control an opponent or a draw spell or something. You might never draft that card, right? Yeah. But you still have to build a deck on curve that helps you do something. And I found this out the hard way, Bruce, when I first started drafting. I drafted in the wrong colors in War of the Spark, and it like really dis it just demoralized me. I'm gonna keep using that word. It demoralized me because I didn't know what the heck I was doing and I felt lost and I felt like I was unable to play the game, you know? But now I've learned a lot just from looking at people how they play. Some people that have drafted better than me in drafts, worse than me in drafts, and what they did right or wrong. And it just boils down to a few small things. It's basically like playing interactively, mm -hmm. um, leveraging combat correctly yeah. in terms of blocking and attacking. And finally, um, sometimes drafting a rare is worse than drafting a common or uncommon. And people sometimes will draft a rare because they're excited because the card seems good in, at the time. But it sometimes is unplayable. Like I did that with uh I opened an Entomb and an Enlightened Tutor in my uh what's the the set before that just came uh, out? The um, Masters twenty twenty two? The the uh, all the reprints um for they they played like like Savannah Lions and some other oh, old cards. Oh, Dominary Remastered. Dominary Remastered, yeah, thank you. 
I drafted a really, really on the surface good blue black control deck. The problem was everybody in my pod was doing the same thing. So I drew, I had like a pair, I had um, Peregrine Drake, which untaps your lands. I had the uh, Cloud of Fairies, which untaps one or two, two of your lands. I had no late game cards that could finish the game, and I had all the draw that I wanted and a few good removal spells, but I did not win a single game. And that's because I just didn't, I didn't have anything. I ran out of gas by turn four or five. But what I'm trying to say is like, in Commander, we kind of get lazy with our decision making. We don't really think about, we, we get tunnel vision into what we want to do, not what other players are doing a lot of the time. I, you know, and it's not a bad thing if your strategy is very strong, but I mean, you know this for sure. Like, you've lost to me and I've lost to you before where you just came out of nowhere and blew me yeah. out or vice versa. So let's, let's, look, let's dive into this idea around the value of playing limited because lots of Commander players gravitate to Commander in the first place because they don't like to play limited. Um, yeah, or limited, yeah. right? So, um, but I do think, and we've, I think you and I have had this conversation before on the show, where it's it, it's actually behooves players to have experience in a broad number of formats, including limited. So let's let's see what we can glean as commander players from um, playing limited. And I think the first point that came to my mind was, like you said, is returning to the basics of how to play Magic, the nuts and bolts of playing. Developing a board presence, advancing advancing the, your your board, your position, leveraging comment to pressure your life total, um, cards like bread, like bombs, removal, evasion, uh, all the all the key components of your card evaluation, um, cards that affect the board, are evergreen, evergreen ability, abilities. Yeah. You know, ever so these, these um, any any card that generates value exactly. over time, any even if it's a common that creates a one one when it enters, like that's still value that you're going to use later in some fashion now would you agree that right. many players in commander get away from these tenants and start getting into what's called like looking into like getting into cutesy stuff oh for sure i do i, I have, i'm victim of it i've done it with several decks before i've thrown in all of what i would quote as the staple cards and then my deck was bad yeah. you know what i mean because i had like okay i had all these tutors or whatever but i didn't tutor for anything that would actually help me win like i didn't i couldn't put it all together yeah. right or um, I played a bunch of people before where they try to do the thing in their deck, but they do it in such a way where it just takes too much time. And by the time they try to get the combo off, they're very sad because they've already lost the game. Um, I've had people sit there with a, a hundred creatures on their battlefield and done nothing with it. And I beat them because I had a card out that said, I can't lose the game, oh. right? Literally a hundred, four, four flying vigilance angels. And they can't, they can't I, kill me. Yeah. Right. I'm thinking to myself, you could have killed me probably five, six turns ago, but you decided to sit there with 60 creatures instead of attacking with yeah. them. Um, so it's one of those things where I think sometimes you just got to go for it. I think people are afraid sometimes. I'm I certainly like that when I first started playing to like attack players to, I guess, piss off the king. I don't want to be crude when I speak <laughs> I here, but... Um, the person who's ahead, right? That you you, you don't want to you don't want to put yourself further behind because you feel like you're not you're not going to attack them because it's not right. worth it or something of that nature. I don't know. Maybe because people, some people play a lot of blue, they feel like they don't need to attack because they have the counter spells and everything. But like even two damage in the air from a blue player hurts sometimes. Yeah, yeah. pretty bad. Absolutely. So, so I think yeah. I think to, going back to that those basic tenants is really beneficial for commander players. That's not to say that every deck you're going to build is going to need this, folks, because, again, you're going to build, it's depending on what power level you're playing at, 
what the goal of your deck is. Like if you're playing a CEDH deck and you're looking to combo it with Thassa's Oracle, well, then that's this is not going to be what's what's relevant to you. If you're playing at a lower power level, where oh. you're well, a six, a six or a seven, or whatever you want to call it, like where you're going to be looking to win through creature combat or through something else, uh, some other alternative win strategy. Like maybe you're playing the Mazes Mazes End deck. Maybe you're playing. You're going to need to have these other components as part of your deck. So that you can interact with your opponents and not just sit there and goldfish while you try and find your way to win, which is most likely going to result in you just upping and losing because your opponents are going to be able to do their thing and hopefully, and if they've done their deck right, they'll be able to disrupt yours. Um, not, not to say we're going to swing our 3-3 into someone's like death no. toucher or swing into... No. It's, it's, it's all about like leveraging... Like I, I use life. My my friend told me this, and I realized it, like after he said that, that it was true. Like, dude, you're very good at leveraging your life total uh, when we play limited and when we play in draft and uh, in commander. I mean, um, I have a natural tendency. Like, I don't care if you hit me a few times because I'm going to hit you back harder. Or um, you might hit me a few times, but I'm going to figure out a way to stop the bleeding. Um, it's more so like to my next point which is like uh, the mid-range strategies of just playing out simple creatures and swinging and hitting face or blocking to leverage like bad trades between opponents seems in a vacuum to help correct human error and random error when it comes to like shuffling decks or moving because in commander we shuffle our deck a ton right there's no guarantee you're going to draw that bomb that you need to win the game and like sometimes an extra shuffle will help you win the game because you'll move the deck and they always say, you know, draw cards, draw cards, draw cards. And that's great. And I love drawing cards, Bruce. Don't get me wrong. But if you're not doing anything with all that draw, what are you doing? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, if you're not being proactive here, uh, personally, then then what are, you, what, are you, what are you trying to dig for? What, what, what's the goal Yeah, you're here? likely going to lose. Um, <laughs> right. You're just spinning your wheels at this point. Uh, like, I don't know. It's funny that I've been playing a lot of draft and... When I first started with my buddy, um, we'll like talk it out before we start. And uh, sometimes our curve was too high or too low, but we always lost to two drop and three drop uh-huh. creatures. At the end of the day, we didn't lose to a mythic or rare card. Rarely. Yeah. I mean, and there was times where like I went four and three with a very average deck, but it's because I was able to draft very nicely static creatures. When it comes to the mind of like commander, where um, some people are leaning towards an artifact strategy or like an enchantment strategy, you still need something to fill out that yes. deck to keep you from dying. You know yeah. what I mean? So, but your your creatures like, are going to be different. It's like your Ethereum sculptors, your Deathrite right. shamans, your man, your mana dorks, your your you know your Stoneforge mystics, things like that that are they're on the curve at an appropriate standpoint, and they're not necessarily bombs in the sense. You should block with them, though. Like, you should oh, block sure. with them after they no longer serve a purpose. Like, I blocked with Stoneforge to keep myself alive sure, in my heart, equipment in deck. Or, like, your, um, what's the other one that's pretty, like, even, like, Birds of Paradise. I've seen people not block with Birds of Paradise, and I'm like, what's the extra mana really going to do for you at this point? Just block. Yeah. It, it, like, just block. I mean, you're, you're going you're gonna to lose the game. Like, I would do everything in my power to stay alive as long as possible. And Bruce, you've taught me that. <laughs> the way you build that. You're like, you're trying to just survive as long as you can. And it's kind of 
a blessing that like draft teaches yeah. you that, right? It teaches that survival skill. Like, hey, I need to just I need to just survive these turns. I need to get through it. I think Phyrexiology one is the most potent one because the average game lasts like only four wow, or five it, turns. I, I it's a very aggressive. I drafted this afternoon and holy wow, what did it go like stink? Like, oh my goodness. It's hyper like you could draft a great deck and still lose, and that's what commander is, right? You build your great deck that you could yeah. still lose. Um and like I was taught, I was watching like a, a YouTuber who's very good at drafting. He's phenomenal at like adapting on the fly. And he said, and they're trying to fix this, I think, but on the pl- on the uh on the play, I think you have almost like a 55, 56% chance of yes. winning. There is a there is a there is there an under- Which, there's sure. an unmistaked advantage to be on the plague versus to being on the draw. And think about the statistics of commander though, right? Like the first player in turn order and the last player in turn order usually have the highest percentage chance of winning the game, which is very interesting to think about. Like if you go second or third, it's not that you're any different in terms of your turn order. It's like what happens, who starts off with the most right. gas, but the last player in order also could have the best answer for the best given time. Right, so like, I don't mind going last because I get to see everybody else's information before I get to present mine, which is a great negotiation strategy. You know what I mean? In terms of playing the game and uh, being critical right. with situations, like going last is the best. I think going first is the best if you have an aggro deck, of course, right? Like a mm. like a deck that ramp out really fast, or a deck that burns people really fast, or mm-hmm. you know makes a 42 42 double striker trample boy yeah. you know what i mean uh so and then the other thing i think i had here was looking at more cards either with faux draw effects or one for ones which i mean like scry one uh you know draw one discard one uh, look at the top x reveal uh even land cycling um and terramorphic sacrifice effects I will will say will allow in general like a cleaner curve, mm-hmm. right? Um, mana screw or flooding. However, we mentioned this earlier. Drawing lots of cards, spinning your wheels, doesn't mean you will be able to right. stabilize. If you don't have removal or creatures in hand, uh, ever I call them evasive, but like it's basically just creatures that have evergreen abilities or aggressively statted right. for their cost, yeah. right? So I was I was looking so like, at this at this yeah. point here, and I wanted I wanted to touch base on it because. There was a time when my thought sure. around this was that this, these were not things that I wanted to include in my deck, like the opts or the the considers or cards of that of that ilk that like brainstorm, yes, brainstorm that right? don't really advance a board state. I would I didn't really want to put them, and I didn't really see a lot of value to even having them in commander. So I'm even to this day I'm very reluctant to put an opt or a consider or such effects in my deck. I mean, the great example is like a Mishra's Bobble. That people, you know, like were for like four of in modern, and I am still reticent to put them in my decks because I am of the personally the opinion that like when you only have twenty three slots in your limited deck or sixty sixty six slots in your and in, in your commander deck because the rest of your deck is land, that having a card that doesn't essentially do anything in your deck is just there to fill up a slot is not necessarily advantageous so, to you and you should be looking to maximize the card slot. However, I'm reading your point here about the fact that it'll help smooth out your draw by get, helping you see an additional card or two. 
it's it's very it's exactly what what cycling does and what people have right. why people have commented on the relative power of cycling particularly we saw it last in Icoria uh, like the cycling was super powerful to help you yeah. stabilize build, yeah, get your, get, make sure you you drew, you drew your land drops to play your game and then deploy your threats so so I compare that to the spell bombs in this set. They're not great. Mm -hmm. Get me wrong. I would rather play a creature on one or two or three mm -hmm. instead. But pinch. Sometimes the bombs will do something to help you further right. your goal. Like the silica one gives flying and plus two plus two, and you draw a card. The other one gives trample. The green one. The black one recurs a creature to your hand. The red one puts oil counters on stuff, and the blue one bounces yeah. something to hand. I think. I think they're strong enough that you could run one or two in your deck and it's not going to hurt you, right? Um, and then another good example of the faux draw is I run two decks. One we're going to talk about tonight. The other one is a Rutstein deck, which I would love to put on the podcast once I clean sure. it up a bit. Um, Rutstein and Glunch are opposites in the term of when you get to see the card. But the scry is super, super powerful right. on your turn. Because with Rudstein, you scry first. Then if you want it to be milled, you get to cre create something that of your choice. If not, you put it to the bottom. And if it's like a card that you don't want to get milled at this time, you put it to the bottom and you mill something else. Granted, it is a coin toss what you're going to get next. But it filters through your deck incredibly quickly. The other one, Glunch, is at the end step, you can choose to make yourself draw a card, oh. right? So I get to draw two cards a turn. I get to scry one, so I get to look at three cards potentially in one turn, which is very, very strong um, with with commander players. Go looking at two cards a turn or one card on on someone's turn itself is very powerful. You know, look like Esper. Um, the Esper Sentinel is one of the most powerful cards right now in CDH and EDH. Yeah. I'd say for white because of the fact that like. It's a one drop. It comes out immediately. You get to draw at least two or three cards in a game yeah. from that card. So, uh, same deal. Not as not as aggressive, but I think Scry. I think people undervalue Scry a lot, and uh, and uh, the the loot effects. Uh, but again, it depends on the deck, right? You're not going to run a ton of those effects when you are playing blue because you get to just draw those cards mm -hmm. anyway, you know. Or Unless you're playing that Scry Commander in blue, which yeah, is a whole the, different, yeah, that's interesting. A whole that's a whole different bag of, of stuff. There, you're going, you're going for. I think it's. But uh, yeah. it, well, even Elasar, it's like a green white card from AFR. It says whenever you gain life, you put a plus one plus one counter on it and Scry one. Like that card, Elasar. That card is busted, in my opinion, for those two colors because green and white, in general. They have card draw effects, but like filtering your draw in those colors is really, really powerful and like very underrated because you have all the ramp and you have the draw to filter it, but the scry just is like the cherry on top for getting the right cards you need in a good situation, right? Getting the removal, getting that big Elder Gargoyle yeah, or whatever. You're, you're not wrong. You are not wrong. <laughs> all right, let's move. Let's just something. Yeah. Well, I just, well, okay. let's, let's roll so, it. Let's keep going. Next point was, um, <laughs> so and I think you and I even had a conversation about this earlier this week, was that, so online, there yeah. was a Twitter post made by Chicago Style Gaming, a friend of the podcast, Chris Martin, who commented on the perceived notion that in Commander, chip damage isn't particularly useful. And 
I in, it's interesting because in limited chip damage is vital. Nobody turns up an opportunity to get in for damage in limited, do they? I mean, that is the difference between you winning and losing a game. Like creatures will always, for the most part. I mean, maybe you'll get a bombs a bomb planeswalker in this set, but even then, they don't win games for you particularly yeah. as much. Creatures win games. You're not going to combo out yeah. in this format. You know what I mean? You're not going to be able to drain people of enough life to be able to just do it without Absolutely. attacking. So, like, but Chris's point was that in Commander, the perception is chip damage isn't useful because everybody's life total is so much higher. And I would like to, I disagree. disagree. I, I 100%. I think you do too. Because um, I think we get it, we get caught in this trap of not of not chipping away at our opponent's life totals because. Um, we d- we don't want to provoke any ill will, all right. That's everyone's. Wor- oh, I'm worried about making an enemy. Okay, let's be real. If it's turn one, two, three, and I get my land or elves out, and I don't need to the, the mana this turn because I I don't have a four. I, I all I have is a four drop, and I don't have enough to cast it right now. I'm looking to get in for for to, to deal a point of damage, and if my opponent get is bravely offended by that. Well, they need to reevaluate what we're doing. We are playing magic, and the object—it's an essential yeah. part of the game, you know. And so, I think I think we also like because we're playing with people more, more likely than not that we don't know or don't know very well in this day and age. I mean, back when Commander first began, right? It was a kitchen table format where you're playing with your friends. Even some of my friends, though, when we would play together in college and stuff, they would get like really, really kind of agitated about it and i'm like it's not personal like i'm not no you know i'm not like insulting your mother you know what i mean like it's just a simple part a simple part of the game that that you can take advantage of this is this is a a weapon that you can use right this is a tool and it's really really crucial because more and more we're seeing that wizards prints cards that allow us to utilize our life total as a resource whether it's the ad nauseums of the world a necropotence Bulls of Citadel. There's yeah. lots of cards out there. Even just activating uh, using your your ancient tomb or Phyrexian mana or your birthing pod or whatever it is you do. There are so many things in your in in the game that you have to spend your life points on. If you can chip away at three, four, five points, you are going to restrict their ability to use that necropotence to the to the fullest of their abilities. Because you think about it, if you chip away five points and they play two fetch lands and go find two shock lands, they've probably burned 10 points of life. Like, that, that's big like yes. That's big game. Like you've, they've just spent 25% of their life total has just evaporated, and they're not going to be able to use that for that Necropotence or Ad Nauseam or Bulls Citadel or whatever else it is they want to use it for. So if you're... Oh, go ahead. Even I was going to say, even... Even decks that should be attacking every turn, right? The white decks, the red decks, the green decks don't. And I'm confused because those colors are meant to attack. They're just designed that way, right? The cards are more aggressively statted. The the ability to go wide or, or tall is, is just much stronger than the other two colors. Granted, black does have some more aggressive cards now, right? That have Menace or Death Touch or whatever. But... Those kinds of strategies where you're splashing one of those colors or playing two of those colors or playing all three of those colors, you should be smacking people yep. in the face, even if they don't deserve yeah. it. <laughs> you know? 
sure. I mean, I don't want I don't want to get to a point where like everybody's playing Toxeril, you know, or everybody's playing uh like Shouldred, mm. right? Like I want them to have to block yeah. with Shouldred when they play it. You know, that that's that's what I want to do. That's my goal now is to just go yeah. at them, you know what I mean? Because I've seen the meta change, right? The meta used to be more my personal like play group or whatever used to be more one way where it was like just s- neat ideas, tribal decks, etc. Then now it's combo heavy, and now it's like something in between, more of like a like a just a it's a hybrid. I don't know, like it's a, it's a hybrid. Like, like a hybrid, yeah, like a hybrid. And I'm like, well, if you're still running this hybrid, you still should yeah. be attacking. You know what I mean? Because you're not going to get that combo every single game. Your, your deck's not powerful enough to consistently drive that combo because you're not playing CDH. And CDH is the best example of people attacking yeah, for value all anyway. The time, and they don't they, take it They do it they, they all it the personal. time. It's not, it's not personal. No, they're just like, oh, I'm taking, oh, I'm taking five. Okay, whatever. They, they also, they, they also yeah. know oh, why taking... the other person is doing it. It's not a personal attack on them. It's because they know they're, no. they're, the, they're the ad nauseum deck or they're the whatever deck. And so... I mean, that attitude needs to trickle down to those of us who are playing at a lower level, uh, a lower power level, for the same reason. Like, you're still, there's still avenues for us to spend our life points um, that need to be, needs to be curtailed. Uh, and on top of it, just getting the game over with needs to be a thing. No one likes to play a three-hour game every time. Like, once in a while, it's kind of fun, sure. But, you know, like, mm, I'd rather play three games in the same amount of time, you know? And, like, I don't care if I get blown out by being too aggressive. I'd rather do that than just sit there and be yeah. cautious because it's like life, right? you got to take a risk, you know? you got to take mm-hmm. a chance sometimes. So, anyway. So, All right. Anyway, uh, my last thing, real quick, combat should be relished and welcomed, not relinquished I, and feared. I like that quote. Anyway, let's end with that quote. I like that quote. I might be well, the t- you can go. trade. Here we go. Might be the, t- the title of the show. Um, all right. Let's talk about deck construction. Because deck construction in limited. Sure. Like, okay. So we talked about damage, like chip damage and, and combat, and how limited can help us fo- refocus on that. Refocusing on deck construction is super important because let's be real, audience. If you're playing limited, you wouldn't dream of, putting, of fielding a deck with fewer than 16 lands. 16, 17 lands. Anything sure. less than that, you're like you're playing with fire. You're trying to lose, seriously. And so, sort of the conventional, conventional thought process is you're playing 16 to 17 lands, correct? Yeah. Also, um, I've also found this recently with tap lands in general. Not that I don't like, like I I do play some of them, but. Even the ones like in the meta right now for Frexia, um, they're like tap lands that come in tapped. You can play two yeah. to sack to draw a card. Sometimes it just sometimes it's just best yeah. not to play them at all because of how aggressive this meta is. And I've been starting to do this with my commander decks. I know your point here is don't shave lands, but also sometimes it's just best yeah. to play basics. Like I just cut Reliquary Tower from a deck yeah. today to play an extra planes because I was like. I don't really care about this card, and I'd rather play the cards that I need to play at that time, and not be stuck on two white mana or, or three white when I might need a f- like four white or a white and a green or a white and a red or whatever it was for this particular deck. 
Um, and then like I've been cutting the sanct like the uh the tap lands that bounce the, land, you know what are the, the, like, the um Karoo land. Yeah. No, 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 the Karoo ones, but the but the new ones, the Selesnya Sanctuary. Yeah, they're, they're called the... they're called Karoo lands. They are called Karoo lands. Okay, so because of the old Karoo land, yeah, I understand. But I've been cutting those too because I'm like it feels terrible to have that in your opening hand with two well, lands I... in your hand. One of my friends is notorious for playing a land out in turn one and then playing one of those in turn two and not having a follow-up play. So he immediately is now got to pitch right. to hand size. I'm like, well, dude, that's that's just you squandering resources now. Right. So I'd rather I'd rather just play basics because, yeah. like, I mean, let's let's face it, right? Most people that watch the show probably are on budget mm -hmm. lists anyway, right? Most people. In general, can't afford the rising price tags of this game. Unfortunately, and yeah. we can talk about yeah. that another time. But basically, will always play. Like that's what I've learned, right? They'll always play. They'll always come out, and you can always do something with them. Sometimes these the fancier lands, and I love lands, Bruce. Like okay. lands make the deck. Like I'm always about. Okay, I need to set my land count first before I even build my deck, based on yeah. what I'm trying to do. And I and and I'm I'm usually never mana screwed yeah. like in the games. I, I've gotten to the point where. Always, I found that correct balance, like limited, where I know what I need for this particular instance. But, um, I mean, I've seen so many people, right, that have played specific tap lands for color fixing, and I'm thinking to myself, in that aggressive deck you're playing, why don't you yeah. just play a basic? Yeah. Because you're going to get there eventually. If you're drawing six cards, like throughout the turn cycle, or you're drawing some cards, or you're scrying, or whatever you're doing to get there. Yeah. You're gonna get there. Um, like you should play fetches if you can afford them. You should play, uh, you know, dual lands and stuff if you can. And some yeah. of the new ones are yeah. great. Don't get me wrong. I love, I love the new ones that they just reprinted in, um, in uh, the the recent sets and stuff. But honestly, like for newer players, just start with basics. Just start with basic lands. Figure out that particular count, and then when you get the price negotiated, where you can like justify buying the five six dollar lands yeah. that are dual lands then you can add them in because you know what your curve is Absolutely. and you know what you're going to no, be that's, able to that's great advice i think i think we in commander particularly in, in in lower power level commander we we presume that we have time to play a tap land when in reality we don't have any more time than any other time and so limited's a really great way of focusing focusing us and saying hey you don't actually have time to play that tap land. Otherwise, your opponent's going to get a jump on you and because you, you just set yourself back a mana for that turn. Um, in Commander, the same thing, uh, same thing applies because what's going to happen eventually here, audience, you're going to sit there and you're sitting there on like four mana and you need that fifth mana to, to be able to double spell a removal and play a key creature. And you're going to top deck that card and you're going to be looking at tap land. And you're gonna go, oh no! So now your board. So you have to decide which board, which is more important, the removal spell or build, developing your board. And when that would have been very easily solved by you ripping a basic and putting and being able to play it. So let let's be responsible. Sure. Let's not shave our our lands our land counts because we do that all the time in Commander. We're like, oh, I want to put in this cool new card. And then we shave a land instead of having 36, now we're running 35. Then we're running 34 and 33. And before long, you're running 28, 28 land in a deck that really needs 36. And then you wonder why your mana screwed. And you go, why am I losing my games all the time? 
Well, because you've cheated yourself of playing the appropriate cards. We wouldn't do it in limited, so we shouldn't do it here. And same thing, we put, oh, I want this, I want the color fixing with this tap land. Oh, this tri land. This, like, those, I've been watching enough standard and playing enough standard on Arena to know those triomes, as awesome as they are, there is a real cost to having them come into play tapped every turn. So, uh, if you want to avoid a situation where you get caught or you have a non game because you are being irresponsible with your mana base, let's take our lessons from limited and not allow ourselves to be irresponsible with them and fo really focus in on playing an appropriate number of lands in our deck and really prioritizing things that come into play untapped. Sure. That, that goes into the last and one of our last points, which is like strategy matters, right? So in limited, we each card we select ideally wants to force some sort of strategy while we are drafting and to be able to win the game, right? So when we look at these cards, um, even if they like a, a rare looks on the surface better in a vacuum than an uncommon or a common card, sometimes that's not true. I mean, you look at uh, the like some. Of, we're going to look at some of these cards right in the actual set later on in the show. But um, there are times where I've cut, I would say, staple rare cards for uncommons and commons that actually fit yeah. my strategy better. You know, um, this deck that we're going to show tonight. Granted, it's the most more expensive because I have some bombs in the deck. Like I got like Abyssin, which is like a fifty dollar card, and I got some other things in there. But like you could build this deck for. 200 bucks mm -hmm. and it would still run incredibly well the most expensive card you need is like a 20 dollar yeah. card i'd say so it's not it's not all about the price sometimes and i think magic in general has become this oh i think we need to pay to win but that's not true i've i've seen players play 100 dollar decks for commander and beat the crap out of me like and i loved it i was like wow you you really yeah. made something that yeah. works incredibly well and your cards are balanced. Like in limited, our cards need to be yeah. balanced, right? You need to have a certain amount of two drops, a certain amount of three drops, a certain amount of four drops, five, six, etc. Not that you're going to go up to six mana in this format. You're not. But same with commander. Like I, um, I, I've been kind of looking at cards in a vacuum more. And, and with my limited approach, I've been like, okay, will this card ever play? Like what will happen if I play this card on turn seven right. versus turn three? Like I cut a a three drop for a more impactful five drop card recently because I was like, well, this five drop card, even though it takes five turns to play, it will always be impactful later in the game because Commander right. takes yeah. a while. Um, and the other thing is, you can play a deck without bo true bombs and win games. I've done that. I've done that in draft, uh, where I've not drafted any rares the entire game, just drafted uncommons and commons, and was able to get four, five wins, six wins, seven wins. And um, there's other times where I've rare drafted, thought the deck was great, and yep. went 0-3. Uh, so same deal here. Like You don't need um, every staple to be able to successfully navigate the arena of Commander. Um, if you're good at like finding how your deck runs... like I think people need to play test their decks more before they <laughs> yes. try them out in a pod. I think you need to shuffle them up, shuffle them up like 10 times. And, and figure out, okay, what would I do here? What would I do here? What would I do in the worst possible and the yeah. best possible scenario to be able to do this? And I, don't, I think we get very excited, which is great, and I love the a passion, but I think we should take a step back for a second, just think about what does my deck want to do and why do we want 
this to be here versus this card? Why are we not putting this card in the deck? Why are we taking this card out? Um, and there's a reason for it. So yeah, limited definitely helps with the strategy-based thinking because you literally are limited in what you have. I mean, yeah, it's literally yeah. in the name, right? You're not, not going to have access to almost every card that was ever printed in the 30 years of this game. And I think that the other thing is like people get comfortable with either cards they've had for a long time or new cards they've pulled in like booster boxes, etc. where there could be a 50 cent alternative that you, that you could use. Like Lazarel's Acrobatics, that card I showed you like yeah, what, three days ago. Cool. The, the double flicker. The double flicker from Baldur's Gate. Yeah, we'll talk about sure. that card another time too. But anyway, that's well, all, that's I, all I, I got think, for now. So yeah, so to, to sort of sum up, like the strategy does really make a difference and you have to really ask yourself as a as a deck constructor what is my what is the what is the goal of my deck? What am I looking to do with my deck? Am I and what do I need to in order to make that truly come to life? And if you know you like you might be holding that 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 really potent thing in your hand, but you go, is this really the right deck for Necropotence? Mm. Maybe Necropotence is a bad example because lots of decks need Necropotence. Um, is this the right deck for you know? Let's well, like for example, I would never run Necropotence in my Rutstein deck because. I don't really want to discard and exile things. Fair enough. Graveyard. There we go. Like oh, because you yeah, know, or like because they get because they get never... exiled, and then you don't get access to them with Rutstein because you're looking to get looking to pull things like a Reanimator style strategy. That's a great. Yes. That is a great example. So if you're playing Rutstein, you go. I Necropotence is an awesome card, but it's a non-bow with your with your commander. You go. Well, that's not what I want to do. So maybe Necropotence sits out, and you deploy something else. You're playing some other draw effect, but. Like you have to sit there and think critically. Like Necropotence. Well, for example, I would never play land tax in a deck that has yes. access to green because there's no need to play that card. It's a phenomenal card for ramping yourself out, but you, oh, it's not necessary. It's just trimming. Yeah, no, and, this and, point. and if you're playing green, you're likely like land tax is at its best in you know, heavy mono white decks, right? Like heavy heavy white or mono white. Yes. In, yeah. Boros. Boros or anything that has yeah, a hard time Orzov getting and, the lands Orzov out. Orzhov and Boros are probably the two most egregious ones for it. So, but for if sure. you're playing Selesnya, you're not mm -hmm. going to go put your land tax in. You're like, I don't need it because I have green. I'm going to rip all the land out of my deck I want because Karametra is going to do it for me. I'm sorry. Uh, we may, may have seen that one mm -hmm. before too. <laughs> oh, you're, 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 you're teasing the sorry, audience. Stop it. All right. Let's move on <laughs> to some of the mechanics from Phyrexia well, All Be One. And see how they're impacting Commander. Because um, in a similar vein, I want, um, Chris, Chris gave me lots of great talking points this week. Chris Martin, uh, once again, I'll have to think. I'll have to think. He's awesome. He's a great guy. Let's, he's, let's he's, be real here, right? And he, and he, he loves magic. And you, and, you, and you talk about it all the time. And his Twitter, if you're following him on Twitter, Chicago Style Gaming uh, uh, on Twitter is fantastic. But um, he commented on the fact that he thought the power level from Rexia All Be One was so high that it rivaled playing Modern Horizons Two, and I thought that was a bit of uh, an overstatement. But um, without, I think the context. I think the context should be, it's as powerful in like modern or in standard or in like legacy. Maybe not. Not. not sorry. Not legacy. Pioneer. I mean. I apologize. Um, like certain formats where like. You can easily poison out yeah. an opponent one on one. 
But in Commander, yeah. it's very well, underwhelming, let's, let's, in my opinion. Let's talk and about we've the mechanics and see where they're at. So let's, talk, let's start with Toxic, because that's sort of the one that's got lots of people's attention, because it brought back discussion around poisoning out our opponents. Um, what what has your been your read on seeing it in in limited and now maybe in standard or in brawl on the toxic mechanic being being deployed? It's like a mixed bag. So there's times where I've toxic people out of a game and won. Then there's times where I've gotten to nine or seven and I just can't get the last two, three, four. Um, and then they either hit me with more with their version of toxic or. They just beat me with yeah. old-fashioned damage or something. Well, it's something that like it's harder to interact with once it's on, but you have to get to that magic number three, or you're not gonna be able to really take advantage of it. So the 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 best decks I've seen that do it, that do it very well, do it within the first right. two to three turns. Or they do it in such a quick, fast way that it's hard to interact with. So like the only viable way I would say and it would be useful in um, Commander is if you're able to swing with a creature or proliferate with a toxic creature on each opponent right. at the same time. But, but Poison is, and Infect is just better. It's just easier to do. Um, like The best card for like Commander would probably be the Rot Priest because... Anything that yours is targeted, you get a poison. Yeah. They get a poison counter, so that's a very viable card. And I've seen people do that and win games very, very quickly in standard with four ver four copies of Rot Priest. But mm -hmm. it's a one-two, right? It's a one-two for one. If you're if people get rid of it immediately, like exile it with a Path to Exile, for example, or Swords of Plowshares, then okay, I get one poison counter, but I whoop de doo yeah. like that's not a big deal. Like, other cards that use toxic, they're just not good enough. Um, there's a contaminated bloat priest, a three mana four four trampler. Whenever it yeah. deals combat damage, proliferate has like toxic two or something. Great card. Don't don't get me wrong, but like by the time you get that card out, and maybe you hit an opponent with it, it's gonna get yeah. removed immediately. You know, if if you're in a pod that's uh, responsible, or you're gonna yeah. be able to block it. You know what I mean? Like. 4 4 does nothing yeah, against yeah, the 1 5. Blunch, blunch is... 0 5. Zero six. You know what I mean? Yeah, not to tease Blunch <laughs> again, but <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not going to do much yeah. unless you can do something with it, right? Like you can make it bigger or you can make it have evasion besides trample and commander or you make it unblockable. I mean, even making it unblockable isn't that strong because it's going to take yeah. four turns to kill one opponent. So my, so my, my, my view on Toxic has been that the. The primary way people are, are deploying toxic threats is those mites. The, the one ones that can't block that have toxic one. Those, there seems to be lots of those because people are playing the, the, the white, um, uh, the, the Skrell's Hive um, that makes the, the mites' okay. turn. Yeah. And the the trick to that one is that they, they I think people are going to quickly discover, and I think people are already in the midst of discovering, that these cards, the mites aren't particularly effective in Commander because they don't block. And that is more important than you might admit because we think, oh, well, I don't need to block. But there's only so many times you can block with your face before you're pretty much dead. So, yes. And the one ones don't really get in because everyone's playing 
bigger, more established threats, particularly as Skrell's hive sits there and continues to turn out one ones that can't block, and you're left there and you're saying, well, um, I'm attacking with my bloated contaminator or my, or my, you know, my mammoth or my dragon or my, you know, pumped up elves or whatever else I've got going on. And very quickly, like they do, this get outclassed. So, like, I'm of the opinion, like, toxic is very slow. I think the toxic, you know, where, where people are looking to, to get in with lots of creatures with the toxic ability makes it very difficult to poison someone out of the game because Infect does it far more efficiently. Now, if your goal is to play a little bit of toxic, give everybody a counter and start them off, and then proliferate them the, the bejeebus out of them. Now we're talking. I think that is. That's. I think which brings up the X mechanic is the proliferate mechanic. I think that one is surprisingly dangerous. That's viable. Yeah, it's really viable. And like all the plus one plus one counter synergies that we've gotten in Commander the last few sets and Commander precons and everything. Um, I mean, there's some really nice, cheap, affordable cards. That you can take a look at. I'm not going to say any names because you can find them for yourself. <laughs> uh, but there's some really nice commons, uncommons that I play in limited, but also they proliferate, but they let you do other things, right? Like draw cards or remove a threat or whatever. I mean, yep. it, there's a reason the commander players use these yeah, mechanics. No. Very. I think. You know? I think the prolif- the proliferate route is the more is the more open-ended synergy in the first place because whether it's uh, stun counters or uh, money counters or energy counters or <laughs> minus one, minus one or plus one, plus one or, or or loyalty counters, there's lots of counters that are going on there. Like, how, like think about this. How, how, much, how, how interested are you in proliferating the bank buster counters on your bank buster to draw more cards? Like, yeah, sign me up. Yeah. So, even even like some people who play the budget like like uh, lands with the um, vivid, the, vivid, the counters the on them they're like vivid them. yeah yeah charge counter so, lands or um mm-hmm. the the storage counter lands not that people are playing those as much anymore but like and you know so, so I think proliferate yeah, is proliferate sure. itself is, and they've given us some some good tools um some some attached to creatures. Um, some interesting spells that have it, like there's an interesting regrowth effect. I forgot what it's called, but it's a regrowth effect that allows you to bring back a permanent. Yeah, it's something restoration, and it's like return a permanent to your hand, proliferate, and it's green and yeah. colorless. It's sorcery. Um, there's some removal spells that proliferate, like mesmerizing dose, which is not great in commander per se, but it, yeah. you could you could find a use for it. Um, yeah. Locks down a creature. And then, there's and we still and we still have the package of evolution there. sage <laughs> and flux channeler from War of the Spark and a few interesting um, uh, proliferate cards from that set, which was which isn't which is reasonably recent still. Like like these are not cards that if, if you're a reasonably yep. recent player to the game, you can access these cards pretty readily. So there's enough proliferate mechanics around that you can do some stuff, and you don't need to go back to the inexorable tides and. Things like that that are just going to, you know, make it difficult for you to, to to find them and track them down and play them because they're expensive. So I think the proliferate mechanic is is impactful. I think toxic is less impactful. Let's talk about formiridin, which is similar to um, 
the uh, the living weapon mechanic, where an artifact would come in with a germ token. Well, now it's coming in with a with a two two uh, rebel. I think it is um, from. Yeah, it's a two two rebel, and the thing is, it's like the living weapon is relevant because the the germ token, like you could hypothetically not even need the germ yeah. token for the effects of those cards where this card these cards these equipment are not very strong on their own um they're like there's better equipment out there there's better cards out there that do the same thing like a 4-4 flying haste yeah. boy there's a ton of those in commander right uh a 2-2 two -two double striker i mean i could just run shoot i could run like there's lots of things there's lots of anything things else that Fire I can run a fire shrieker. Yeah, it's a great card. But like, it's great for limited. Like a lot of the equipment decks in limited literally will just yeah. run you over incredibly fast. In commander, no. I wouldn't play any of these really. Unfortunately, I love the equipments. I think they're really cool. I love the mechanic of it. You know, like as you said before, it's it's reminiscent of living weapon, but it's a better body. Uh, standard body for free, but I don't well, know. I, was, I couldn't see it. I was going to say I think this, well. this is going to be relegated to a, a limited mechanic. I don't think that the that the cards are strong enough on their own merits to warrant inclusion in a lot of red white equipment decks. Red white equipment has had lots of lots of inclusions that already don't get included, and none of these are jumping off the page so far. So this is just going to be a limited mechanic. Meaning, like I'm not so far two out of three mechanics are not really creating a. There's only one. There's only one for Mirrodin card that yeah. I would run, and it's in blue, though. So it's blue equipment that says whenever the like that creature, I think it's equipped or yeah, something. You can make it a yeah, copy of another copy, creature yeah. that you control. It's really cool. It's it's really really interesting, and it would find homes in lots of different weird strategy decks. But um, right. that's it. I mean, and same with yeah. counters. I think we were going to mention those too. There's not. They're like energy counters. They're not going to be really utilized as well. The only card that I would use is Megalos, yeah. which is that 4-4 body, legendary creature, but you could just play it in a proliferate deck, or you could play it as like a or, body to block with or something, put it or in a, a budget deck. removal just spell. Just put it in a deck. Like, I would not. Like, yeah, so so it's, it, Megalos, it, yeah. yeah, Megalos is probably a good one. It's the only one I can sort of, I sort of picked up on too as being a, a card I would regularly be interested in playing uh, as oil counters. Maybe if we get oil again in an upcoming set, there might be a critical mass that we can build an oil deck. Um, I've built a Miglos deck on Moxfield, and so if somebody cares to see it, we can have a look at it. But I feel like it's really limiting. Um, and the and the and the and the while it's fun and kind of a cool idea, it doesn't re it doesn't really have all the parts fleshed out yet to really make it something that's going to be, I would say, of a of a, of a power level that's going to be impactful enough in commander to make sort of any waves so to speak yeah so i guess let's uh let's let's jump to the positive aspect of the set mm -hmm. right because we, we like to stay positive around here um, so there's a few mythics that we, that we mentioned before in passing to each other norn we talked about the new mom yeah mom. new elish norn we've talked about before uh, the Dominus cycle is okay, but for me personally, Bruce, I don't really think that it will be groundbreaking. Like, I just well, the, don't the see only them one I think being that, that really good. That good is when, the white one because it's because it's a uh, anointed procession on a creature. 
token bubble for sure. I, I I get that too. That that's relevant, but yeah. Again, it's it's very limiting, right? Each card, you're not going to run each card in every single deck you're going to play. Um, the only planeswalkers that I think are fantastic in terms of in a vacuum will always see play in any deck that they're played in is the Eternal Wonder I and I, I will add Jace to that list. I think um, Jace is actually strong enough that. Uh, yeah, he's he's a nice fog effect, and then the mill is very relevant, especially when games run longer. Or if you're looking to dig something up true. in your own graveyard and like, and you want to dumpster a bunch of cards real quick, he's pretty good for that too. So I would include Jace, but I think a bunch of the other yeah. ones are probably not realistically. I mean, Nissa will always have a home in like a big green deck. Mm -hmm. That's gonna she's going to be your your other your other finisher that's akin to um, akin to a crater hoof, but. Yeah, you're right. Like, there's, I would say, like, there's many of them uh, of the planeswalkers are a little on the disappointing side. Um, like, Kaido's got a three mana equivalent that's better than than Kamigawa. Um, Possibly. I mean, I like the new Kaido because you can do a lot of like you can play a ninjutsu strategy. You can also play. Other sorts of like yeah. weird haste effects, right? If you're splashing other, um, where you don't really care if they're bounced back to hand, or you want yeah. to protect no, it if you're sure. going to do a board wipe, there, right? like, so yeah, like it's got some flexibility, it's, it's flexible, got some flexibility, I but I mean, it's not, it's not breaking the power level. And then we've got the other end, we have cards like Atraxa and Ovika. Well, Atraxa has like been getting tons of hype on in, it, I don't know. And I know we've talked about this before, like, I just, I don't see, like, I see what people are doing with it, right? They're flickering it, they're recurring it, they're doing yeah. ETB, basically, ETB effects with it. But, like, it's not on the power level of, like, um, like, Golos, who was banned, of course, but it's also not on, like, other power levels where you're looking at cards, in my opinion. Like, it's too expensive, mana cost-wise, it'll die immediately, even if you do dig for 10 cards. They don't go on to, they yeah, go to your hand, right? They don't go to the battlefield. I don't know. I just, maybe I'm just. Uh, I don't know. I, I, it, I, haven't, I haven't seen it get. I, I haven't seen it's it as a commander yet. I've seen it in, I've seen it in standard um, where it's been, where it's making, waking waves. And so when people, when it makes waves of standard, invariably people want to try and see if it'll make waves in commander. And I'm like, okay, good on you. But you're right, seven mana for a commander. Is very expensive. Let's be real. You cast it, you draw five, but your attracts are promptly get zapped, and now you're like you're spending nine or. Even if you played, even if you played a flicker strategy because you have yeah. all the colors and those colors to do it, I just you don't like you're not able to really do anything without playing other yeah. cards, other conditional cards to get the value. So like Kodama the East Tree by itself is already broken enough with flicker effects, because you yeah. get to put things out for free from your hand. But Atraxa, like, I would just play Bant, you know? I would just cut the black and play Bant in that, in that case, or other people might just play a control-heavy shell and then just run it as, like, a beater, but, like, even so, yeah. there are so better beaters once out you there. Past the, once you move past <laughs> so, all those, those mythics, start looking at other playable cards in some of the other other some of the rarities. common, like, whether rarities, and like lots of the rares, I'm going to be honest, are not really inspiring. Um, I tried the new Azuri today, and it's kind of like a big old wet fart. It's just not really good um, because 
It wants to play with the proliferate mechanic, but it doesn't proliferate on its own. It's got no way to to proliferate unless you kick it, and uh, so it can't repeatedly do it. Where uh, and then on top of it, it does it like and that proliferation it seems to want to lead you into the toxic angle, but it doesn't lead it doesn't play to into toxic because it has no toxic. So anyway, I just find that like Azuri, for instance. And a few of the other ones are disappointing. Like Miglos could be cool if there's enough oil support, but there's not enough oil support, so it's kind of just sort of an outlier. Is like waiting for its turn in the sun in a couple of years' time if we see oil again. But there are some really good. I like some of the uncommons. I think there's some really good ones. Uh, I really like Canker Bloom. I think that card is outstanding. Card is outstanding. Yeah, uh, I like Canker Bloom a lot. I played it in. Um some of my draft decks, and it's done work as a blocker and as a removal spell. Against all odds, I think, is fantastic as well. You know, choose one or both. Exile target artifact or creature yeah. you control, then returns to the battlefield. And then return target artifact or creature with mana value three or less from your graver to the battlefield. Uh, that just seems good. Annex Sentry is a three mana one four that has toxic one when it enters. Exile target artifact or creature and opponent controls with mana value three or less. Until it leaves the battlefield, there's um, there's like other like cute cards that I think are cool, like uh, Churning Reservoir. No, not Churning Reservoir. There's um the rare. It's yeah. a, it's Arbrask's Forge where you put oil water on it. You make a bigger token every turn that has haste and I think it's haste and trample or something. Um, I like Gleeful Demolition. Believe it or not, it's a one drop sorcery. Destroy target artifact. If you controlled it, create three yeah, one yeah. red goblin creature tokens. Yeah, so, like that's kind of cool. Cold, uh, Cold like is, we've seen a card similar to it, Cold Oath or something or other. Um, for sure. Yeah. Well, there's, there's there's some good cards, Thanks. but I, I'm nothing that's set in the in my mind is set in the world on fire. Where Chris's statement, like Chris, really got me thinking. Like, what did I miss? Like, what have I missed that I that I think like there's nice cards like in any set and. There's some of them yeah. I want to play, and others that I'm like, well, that's kind of nice, but not yet. Maybe in a couple, maybe a couple of sets, or when something new comes out to make it kind of fun. But I'm not blown away with this to the point where I'm like, whoa, this is earth shattering. Like, like I'm not sure even amongst like the sets yeah. that are available on MTG Arena that this would be in the top five in terms of power level generally. So, yeah. I guess yeah. we'll we'll have to just wait and see a bit again because it's oh, very for early sure. on in this set. I mean, well, I mean maybe, maybe, maybe in time bit, someone's going to prove what another... wrong, and I hope someone does. Like, I really do. Um, but I mean, I like I, I look yeah. at it as being another pretty typical standard release, which has got some some very interesting cards to try and some some cool and powerful stuff. And but there's also plenty of chaff and cards that are kind of too niche or kind of not quite ready for prime time yet that uh, I'm still waiting for them to be good. So we'll have to wait and see what uh, what is in the future for Phyrexia All-Be-1. But to go and make statements, you know, comparing it to arguably one of the better sets that's ever been printed uh, in the form of Modern Horizons 2 was a little bit, I think, hyperbolic on Chris's point. Um, but it definitely got us got me thinking, like, what have I missed? Because um, this, is, it, is it this powerful? Right. Well, that and like Commander brings out the best in cards that True. might never shine True. in other formats. So, like, 
Speaking to our final segment here with the deck for this week, it brings out the best in cards that either you've <laughs> never heard of before or would never remember. So I've told it to my friend who plays a lot of standard and limited, and he goes, dude, I would play this commander deck. I think it's hilarious. It's all about typical like what? politics in the game, and it's about negotiation and it's about but here let, let me let me start with the deck well, so, so, so let's just let's, let's talk who's the commander let me ask you that so commanders from Baldur's gate it is a three mana legendary jellyfish named glunch oh. the bestower so glunch is a zero five flyer he's one colorless one green and one white at the beginning of my end step Choose a player. They put two plus one plus one counters on a creature they control. A second player uh, gets to draw a card, and then a third player creates two treasure tokens. So if you're like, the ruling on this card is if you're in a four-player pod, all three things happen. If you're with only two players left or three players left, then the first two modes happen, but the third one does not with the treasure tokens. It's really interesting because Glunch, it's like not to be a sociologist here for a second, but it's like I give you things and take them away. Uh, so like it's like Pavlov's experiment where you know he's ringing the bell with the dog, and the dog's mouth is watering, but he gives it no food. Same idea is like I'm going to condition you to believe that I'm your friend, and then I'm going to run you over. So there are there are the the win conditions in this particular list where you don't have to play it like this. You could play it a few different ways, but. I think this personally might be the more consistent way to play it. Uh, most people play Approach of the Second Sun. There's not a lot of decks that run this card in general. Um, on EDH Rec, I think it's like no, 200 or that. 400 decks. Like, it's not a lot. Yeah. Is it? Well, I haven't looked in a while. <laughs> it's maybe 1,200. We'll then. I don't know. We'll see. It's in, four, in 47,000 yeah, decks. <laughs> That's hilarious. So then it is. Yeah, it is a. It is a it good is card. <laughs> Although um, this is the perfect sort of deck. For the, this is the perfect deck for an approach. Um, because so audience, I'm I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, Pete showed it off last weekend. We were playing over spell table, and uh, the the creature package is a little on the light side, um, in in the sense of, like you're not playing things that are going to smash you around a lot. Uh, they're useful creatures. They're 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 powerful effects. But they're not taking it to the red zone and and smashing you upside the head. So and Glunch, Glunch is going to let you stall out the game because he's going to put counters on things and people draw cards and do stuff like that. And so and he's a zero five, which is a pretty reasonable blocker outright. So you're looking to get to the end game, which is exactly when you want to cast approach. So anyway, so the. So like approaches the win is one of the win conditions, and the other one which involves Glunch staying on the field is a classic and older combo where you make everything into an artifact with Mycosynthatis, which again is a fifty dollar card. So you don't have to play this card, and then you play a card that says you can't activate oh, the abilities of artifacts. So like basically glunch makes everyone else draw their deck and then you just sit there and make him large or you uh you make him large enough to start swinging at people stuff like that so that's like the end yeah. so game audience, kind the, of for those of you who are not familiar that's karn the great um, creator so karn shuts off your stuff so it's called michael it's, it's called a Microsoft lattice lock 
and uh, if you if your opponents can deploy, so there's a there's that card right. There's the planeswalker which allows your opponents can't. But then there's also funny ones like Stony yeah. Silence, which yeah. shuts off everything. Oh, or collector, yeah, which yeah, shuts yeah, off yeah, everything. Yeah. yeah, so that's in there. Um, because if I ever need to shut everything off, I will. Um, but there's some secrets, kind of funny little cute things that I do in the deck. Like Bruce alluded to this card earlier. Uh, Magnetic Mine is an artifact that's 35 cents, so it's affordable for anybody's budget. Whenever another artifact is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, Magnetic Mine deals two damage to that artifact's controller. I like this card oh because gosh, so many yes. people now play treasures anyway. That's going to that, that's gonna that. be that's um, like, that was, Viridian Revel oh is the God. other one that people are playing. Yeah. Um, and it's in here. It's and in it's, here too. Like it, it spiked it's, up to five bucks a while ago, and yeah, like, like, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a dollar. But magnetic now, mine is, is in the same vein, and it's it is such a good anti token, like anti clue, anti blood token, anti treasure, anti you know whatever. To to shut off like cut off those decks from that strategy because they're going to get punished so remorselessly for it that it's uh, it's really really good like absolutely like and when again we were playing on the weekend and and Pete deployed his magnetic mind I had to read the card I'm like what and I looked at the six treasures I had on my battlefield I'm like uh, I have a problem because I was short on mana and long on 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 treasure tokens. And I was like, well, I could take a heap of damage and die, or or I could just like just not. <laughs> so uh, I had to make a calculated decision, which is yeah. which. So giving people choices really messes with their game plan because they have to think about their own game plan and then your game plan, which is not well known. So like. Another all-star in the deck is Noetic Scales, which I played against Bruce this weekend. It's a $5 card. We're colorless. It's an artifact. It says, during each player's upkeep, return to owner's hand each creature that player controls with power greater than the number of cards in his or her hand. So, Glunch is 0-5. There's rarely a time where I'll have no cards in my hand in this deck. I will always have at least one card in my hand. And people, I'll give them plus one, plus one counters on their creatures, and then at their turn, when they go to untap and upkeep, they bounce that card immediately back yeah. to their hand because it's bigger than what's in their hand. So I did that about three or four times in that game. And people were like, oh, dang, like, what am I supposed to do? And then the other like funny card that's in here that I played during the weekend is from Baldur's Gate, and it's a rare. It's a 35-cent rare, but its, it's ability is, is fantastic. It's three colorless and two white mana. You choose a creature you control, then each opponent chooses a creature they control with equal or lesser power. If you chose a creature this way, exile each creature not chosen by any player this way. Again, Glunch is a 0-5, so they can't choose anything that's greater than 0. So normally, I choose Glunch, everyone gets to exile everything <laughs> except Glunch. So it's a very, very strong board wipe in this deck. Um, trying to think if there's any other... There's another uh, funny card... Um, Kataki Wars Wage, which says all artifacts at the beginning of your upkeep sacrifices unless you pay one. So most people who get the treasures <laughs> don't so get to keep them. On, it's like here's some turn. treasures. No, you don't. Yeah, it's very. Mean. 
there's Nils, Disciple Enforcer. At the beginning of your end step for each player, put a plus one, plus one counter on up to one target creature that player controls. Each creature with one or more counters on it can't attack me or Planeswalkers I control, unless its controller pays X, where X is the number of counters on that creature. Again, I'm giving you a value, and you might think it's beneficial, but it's not. Um, it, it's one of those... Like I'm, I'm running like a lot of very good protection spells as well. Granted, you don't have to do it this way. You could run it lower powered you could throw in like i have a considering list you could take a look at um guys and girls and audience um where they're just like nice little value cards that like, oh, i need yeah. to add your shine in this in this list in a i need to add so, yeah, it's like i would call this like stacks adjacent like it's not stacksy yeah. but it's definitely stacks adjacent because and i think yeah. my comment on the weekend when we played at audience was you when and it's really why i think this sort of deck has a sort of level of appeal and your opponents are, and if you play a true stacks deck, your opponents aren't going to want to play you. They're going to be like, no, dude, I don't want to play that because I can't do anything. At least with this sort of stacks adjacent effects, you still have things that you can do. You can still play the game. You just have to make strategic choices about what you're going to choose to do because you can't do everything you want to do. Um, and which, which is fine. Like, I still think like having agency and the ability to choose. But what you do rather than just being locked out hard, like point final, as we say in French, is too much. So, um, yeah. the other thing is like, it's not a total group hug oh, deck because I don't like group hug strategies because you give way too, you might give way too much to other players. You might give way too much information. You might give way too much card draw to them. You might give way too much ability for them to blow you out. Like I, I had a friend who would play um. One of those cards that lets you draw an additional card. I think well, it wasn't two. Howling Mine. It was the Blue Jam, and then there's the yeah, that one. So he would play a Dictate, right? And I would play a, an Aggro deck, and I'm like, "Well, this dude's letting me literally rip through yeah. my cards for free." I'm like, I don't want to do that. Like Glunch, sometimes with Glunch, if I have nothing else to do, I'll give someone else the card draw and make a yeah. deal with them. Like I'll cut a deal with them, you know? Or like, um, there's another situation where like i'll be like hey i'm gonna make your creature larger can you beat that yeah. other player in the face yeah. for me um or stuff like that so it's 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 i would say it's it's as fair as it gets when it comes yeah. to this kind of uh idea well granted i'm gonna make a, probably a few more upgrades when i uh um when i see fit because there are a few cards in this considering list that i want to add in um like promise of loyalty is a super powerful board wipe card that also is a choice Giving people choices is just very... And making your own choices. My friend was like, you need to make this the most selfish, cute deck that you can make it. And I was like, you're right, because if it's all about me, <laughs> it's literally all about me. Glunch makes I, it all about me. So, you know, I'm the king. I'm the king of, 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 the, anyway, of the ring, I guess, stuff. in this in this sense. Uh, in a very strange way. So... You know, yeah, there we go. It's a sneaky Pete uh, special, you know what I mean? This is a sneaks around that makes you just, uh, (laughs) you know, struggle to try and get things done. But friends, but friends want to see me play this deck. Like, I've had friends say, Hey, you should pull out the jellyfish deck, and I'm like, Sure, like, that's all what it's all about at the end of the day, right? It's about just having some fun with your friends. It's gonna be in the show notes down below. You're always welcome to go check it out. Um, so. Uh, but yeah, by all means, go and have a look, and uh, and uh, if you like it, you know you can 
You're gonna amend it as you need to, because it's, it's again, it's not. It's a little more. It's a little pricier than we would normally have here on the show, but um, I think it's still uh, in a in a good direction. That's going to a lot of the key components are not overly pricey. Uh, you can and you can definitely substitute out for some of the things that are the higher price end, uh, higher priced items. All right, let's move to sign. Let's, let's move to sign off, my friend, because uh, thanks. Getting late. Our audience needs to get on with life, as you we all. So, um, so Pete, if people want to get a hold of you, and let's say they want to pick your brains about your lunch deck or other things, how do they get a hold of you? There you Email is the best way. I don't, unfortunately, I don't have any social media because of my potential job. But uh, like my job prospects allow me that I have to kind of stay dark. But um, I'm gonna write it in here in the show notes here. For audience, you can. Uh, but you can reach me at the Lotus at Council this and get a hold of Sneaky Pete right there. So in the show notes, my email will be listed, and then also, yeah, just hit me up on on Discord. I'm Sneaky Pete on Discord, and uh, I love talking to people about deck strategies. Building decks, their uh, I guess mantras and maxims about the game, and yeah, just uh, always love to talk and and things like that. So, thanks again, Bruce, for having me. I am looking forward to speaking more awesome. about love to have this you great on. game we All love right, playing. So that's so. going to wrap up this week's show, folks. If you want to get a hold of me, uh, you can always contact me at the Epic Experiment Podcast at gmail.com. I'd love to get email. Uh, so please, please, please send me a message. Uh, if you want, you can hit me up on Twitter at at EpicEXPCast. You can always check out all of our... Oh, yes, we're also on Instagram now at that same handle, at EpicEXPCast. You can find us on Moxfield. Be sure to look up the username, the Epic Experiment Podcast, to find all of our decks. Um, and on whatever platform you're choosing to listen to, whether it's Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or something else... Uh, please be sure to ask a question, leave a comment, like, follow, subscribe. Every little bit help gets the word out that we are here uh, each and every week talking Commander for you guys, helping keep the game uh, fun, lively, and affordable for you. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Next week, uh, we'll see what's coming. We've got lots of uh, lots more to come, lots more Commanders from Phyrexia All Be One to explore uh, and other happenings in the world of Commander. Uh, but until then... This is the Epic Experiment Podcast signing off, wishing you all the best wherever you next play Magic. Thanks so much, everybody. Take care. Have a great week. Peace.